championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything Lakers. This is the Lakers Nation live offseason show right now, but it's also Kobe Bryant's birthday. Happy birthday, Kobe. Joining me to talk all things Lakers, including Kobe's birthday and tomorrow being Mamba Day is Matt the Optimist Peralta. Matt, how are you doing, man? I'm good, Trevor. Before we start, happy birthday, Kobe. Everyone here at Lakers Nation misses you. Um happiest birthdays would have been 43 today trevor yeah it's still you know i was talking to somebody about this earlier it's still surreal it's still it doesn't and i don't think it'll ever change i think it is always going to just not feel right like even when we were watching games this past season i'd be watching the game and i would be like almost half expecting kobe to just like come walking out and sit in the front row and it just it's just weird it's just weird and i i don't know that that feeling's ever going to go away I don't think so either. Um, You know, people obviously grieve in different ways. For me personally, you know, I I also just haven't really accepted the fact quite fully yet. But, you know, um, I still think Kobe's here with us in spirit. Um, Obviously, that 2020 run is special. I tell people this all the time, but I think that title is going to mean the most to me, um, regardless of, you know, any other future titles uh, going forward. So, uh, you know, it's, it's a tough day for some people, you know, obviously we prefer to celebrate Kobe's life here on the uh-huh. podcast and on the live stream, but, um, yeah, you know, it's a tough day for sure. And, you know, obviously the birthday and then Mamba day being tomorrow, eight twenty four. it's a pretty Kobe heavy week today. So, you know, for anyone out there still, still sad and still, you know, trying to process the loss, just trust me. I think we're there with you. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, it's something that will always be a tough time for, for Lakers fans, but, Again, we get through it together. And that that was always, even when we go back to when Kobe passed, the my the silver lining to it, I suppose, if there we even want to go so far as to call it that. But the way Lakers Nation as a community, all the Lakers fans leaned on each other and supported each other, I don't know if I'd seen something quite to that level. Um that was I don't know. That was that was certainly um, a moment that that really impressed me. The way fans really came together and leaned on each other and supported each other. People who didn't know each other uh, were offering support in any way that they could. And so again, that was the silver lining. Seeing the way Lakers Nation came together. Yeah, I was I was one of the you know lucky few that was able to go to Staples Center and you know go see all the murals and the and the memorial stuff for Kobe. And I think that's probably going to be one of the most surreal and yet communal bonding moments i'll ever experience as a fan uh just being in that space with you know thousands of people literally there all for the same reason which was kobe and you know the lakers organization prides himself as a family organization and you know i think that kobe kobe's you know tragic passing um really brought the lakers community together and that's just such a powerful moment i don't think i'll ever forget and i'm sure you know anyone that was there you know people that were you know, doing their own thing at home. I, I'm sure that's something they'll never forget either. So again, like if you want to go as far as crawl it a level lining, I totally agree with you. I think, you know, sports has this powerful like magic that brings people uh-huh. together. And that's what I love about it the most. And, you know, unfortunately it came in a very sad and, and, and depressing time, honestly. And I was just happy to, you know, share that moment with the many people in attendance that were there that night. So it's always going to stick with me forever, for sure. Sure, yeah. I mean, it has a unifying effect. It connects people. It's what shared experience can do. And, um, you know, whether it's in the positive as we're celebrating an NBA championship or a negative where we're processing something like like what happened with uh, with Kobe. But obviously today, tomorrow, days to celebrate what, uh, what Kobe brought to Lakers Nation, what he brought to the Lakers in terms of championships, in terms of incredible moments and, and everything else, and just the way he touched everyone's lives. Um, certainly a positive thing to look at as well. But I'm getting a lot of people that are in our, our chat that are saying how difficult it was for them, how it hit them on a, on a personal level to a greater degree than, yeah. than any other you know celebrity passing. And, and hey, I, I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. This definitely, definitely affected me to a degree higher than um than any other sort of celebrity connection or anything like that uh would have so totally feel you lakers nation understand what uh what you guys are saying 
Yeah, same here. Trust me. Uh, I know Trevor and I do these shows so often that you kind of forget that we're fans as well. And Kobe Bryant meant a lot to both of us. Me, you know, SoCal kid growing up, a Lakers fan. And, you know, Kobe is a large part of that. He's the reason why I love basketball, the reason why I love the Lakers. I can go on and on and on about it. And so uh, trust me when I say for anyone still feeling it. And you, and if anyone out there thinks it's weird that you're still grieving, I don't think that at all. Mm-hmm. This is, I think this is going to be a forever thing. I don't think it's ever going to feel real. Um, and I don't think it's ever going to be completely okay. It's just one of those things where we kind of have to just, you know, grab bite your jersey so to speak and and just keep trudging on like kobe would so that's what helps me that's what keeps me going that's what that canvas in the background's for you know so um although kobe might not be here physically with us anymore you know that spirit that mentality um that willingness to attack challenges head on that's something that i carry every day and so you know i hope that's something that you know people can lean on themselves and look for comfort whenever you know the chips are down or times are rough yeah, exactly. Exactly. But um, again, Lakers Nation, we're here for you guys. We've got everybody piling in with all their comments and uh, and questions and uh, a lot of people talking about how uh, how much Kobe meant to them. So that's great to see. Appreciate all of you coming in from YouTube, from Facebook, from Periscope. Always great to be able to come here and talk Lakers basketball. We've, we've mentioned this before on previous shows. Right now, we're kind of in that limbo period right now, right? Where for the most part free agency is done. The Lakers still have a few roster spots and we'll talk about those in just a bit. We're going to get into what might they, they might do with those open roster spots. But for the most part, free agency is, is kind of coming to a close and now we're getting ready for the season to start up in about a month. We're going to see training camp kick off. And, and so there's a lot to still discuss, but in terms of the news flying at us like it was just a few weeks ago, that's definitely slowed down. So now we can kind of start breaking down some other stuff, like how the team's really going to play stylistically. And of course, you know, while we're doing that, we're always going to be remembering Kobe and everything that happened there. And of course, tomorrow being Mamba Day, August 24th, 8 and 24 together. Uh, We'll certainly be talking about that tomorrow as well. But let's just talk stylistically for a minute here, Matt. Russell Westbrook joins the team. What are you looking to see from the Lakers on the floor next season? Because I have a feeling, and I want to st- let's focus offensively. I have a feeling it's going to look very, very different than the way things look last season or looked last season because you've got new personnel, but then you also have David Fisdale coming in. What's that going to mean for the Lakers' offensive output? So I think two things immediately stick out when I think of this current Lakers roster. And let's start with Russell Westbrook. The Lakers were a deadly transition team. And I think that's always going to happen when you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis on your team. Not only are they physically dominant, but, you know, they're out, they're able to use their size, strength and speed to get to the rim and transition opportunities and finish. Um, I think with Russell Westbrook, you probably you probably triple down on that factor quite a bit. Um, I think Russ is, you know, we've seen Russ, we've, we've watched enough Russell Westbrook games to know that he loves to grab defensive rebounds, race Mm -hmm. up the floor and either get to the rim himself or kick out to shooters. Um, the Lakers were already really good at doing that with LeBron, but now imagine a scenario where it's Russell Westbrook instead, you know, uh, in the middle of the floor in the open court. And now you have LeBron James on the wing, Anthony Davis trailing a couple shooters running to the corners or the opposite wing. Um, I think you'll see a lot of transition opportunities with the Lakers off force misses. So, um, that's one thing I think we'll see a lot of next season, uh, especially during the regular season when defenses aren't quite as locked in or keyed in and guys are just kind of playing and doing their thing. And that's so so fast breaks and transition opportunities, I think, go way up. That's one. And then two, the David Fisdale influence. Um, I think you brought this point up last time we talked, but it's going to be kind of hard to tell how much uh, influence David Fisdale actually has on the offense just because by nature this roster makeup is completely different from last year. But I think it's pretty safe to assume we'll also see more outside shooting, more three-point attempts. Uh, We've talked about this before, but the Lakers were one of the lower uh, three-point shooting teams in terms of volume last season. So I think that goes way up as well. Um, You don't sign these many shooters if you're not planning on using them. So I feel like, you know, as far as the offense goes, we'll see more pace and space principles, more modern NBA, so to speak, offense. Um, It sounds pretty, you know, uh, simple on its face, but I think it's true. 
you run pick and roll with Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook or LeBron James. You have the help guy come over to the corner. You kick that out to a shooter who either takes the shot or swings it to the next guy. I think you'll see a lot of those possessions next season as well. Um, obviously, the defensive slippage is going to be inevitable given who's on the roster. But I think offensively, you'll see a more modern NBA looking style one as well as the transition opportunities going. Well, that, that all sounds great because realistically, what you're talking about there when you say, hey, more transition opportunities. Great. That's exciting, right? That's fast break basketball. That's I mean, look for Bill lack of a better term that's showtime and maybe that's setting the bar too high yep but that's what we're talking about right getting out and running get out getting out in transition i can't wait i'm here for that sign me up for that 100 i want to see the lakers get out and run even though they've got this older roster the pieces that they've got can be devastating in transition particularly with russell westbrook Absolutely. really leading the way and then you mentioned the more modern nba offense and for me there, it's almost a little bit of a source of frustration that we see so many teams kind of just copy each other, right? I mean, every single team across the yeah. NBA runs the high pick and roll to death, right? Like, that's that's pretty much what you see. Space the floor, high pick and roll, rinse and repeat, right? That's what you see from most offenses. But what's got me excited is what does it look like when you've got Russell Westbrook running it? What does it look like when you've got LeBron running? What does it look like when you've got AD and you have actual spacing around them? We haven't really seen that yet, right? And now you've got shooters who not only shoot a, a high percentage from three, but will shoot the ball. Teams didn't worry about Alex <laughs> yeah. Caruso in the corner because they knew that the majority of the time he's probably not going to shoot that shot. That's not going to be true of Carmelo Anthony. That's not going to be true of Wayne Ellington. And I'm not saying there isn't a drawback to the going to those guys. Yeah, you, you sacrifice defensively. But on the offensive end of the floor, I'm expecting a much more dynamic team that can create a whole host of problems for opposing defenses. So I can't wait to see what, how all of this comes together. And I'm really excited, man. I'm excited for this season, not just because it's Lakers basketball and I'm missing basketball in general. That's definitely a factor. But when I look on the offensive end of the floor, the shooting that they've added, you've got that dynamic athlete in Russell Westbrook. So they're going to be putting pressure on the rim and just the potential here for spacing, which creates opportunities. Oh, it's going to be, I think it's going to be a little bumpy at some times, but I think we're going to see some ridiculous highlights out of this group. So, Trevor, I actually have a question for you. Would you have been this excited about all these Lakers shooters if the Lakers didn't get Russell Westbrook? So the team is LeBron, mm -hmm. AD, and then you still have the same set of shooters. Maybe you have a Buddy Heel type player. Are you still this excited about the Lakers offense? Or are we or is Russ that X factor that makes this, you know, could explode and be like way no, more? No, yeah, it is. It's hundred percent Russell Westbrook. He amplifies all of this. And look, I, there's a lot of people out there, and I'm talking about particularly in like the NBA national media right not lakers centric who are still very much questioning the westbrook thing and some even saying this is horrible this is i mean look we saw the espn thing the other day where they said this was the third right. worst move of the offseason was the lakers getting westbrook but i think he's the engine that kind of makes this work on the offensive end in terms of a guy that's going to get into the paint relentlessly and then coming off the bench behind him you've got another guy who's going to do that in taylor horton tucker at least we imagine he's probably going to have that bench role behind Russ so that is absolutely Russ's addition makes me more excited for the drive and kick offense now I do think there are there could be some moments where things bog down because if you've got Dwight on the floor with Russ you're probably still packing the paint or could you run into some issues there yeah there's definitely some question marks but in general Russell Westbrook LeBron James shooters around them Anthony Davis oh I mean, I, I'm envisioning wide open looks. I'm envisioning defenses scrambling, trying to get out to the shooter, and maybe it's Russ's man sagging off, but I'm also envisioning Russ putting a ton of pressure on the rim and then either tossing those beautiful lobs to AD or firing the ball out to somebody else who, could, who can take advantage of a situation where the defense has already been collapsed. Yeah, see, we, we, we've been, I mean, you and I were kind of iffy on the Russell Westbrook trade at first. We both didn't really know what to mm -hmm. think. At least I didn't. Um, I thought, you know, this is a, this is a uh, absolutely 100% a play on the talent here, talent on the name, the star power, et cetera. But as far as the encore product goes, uh, not too sure. Cause you know, Russ needs the ball, not a great shooter defensively waxes and wanes effortly sure. or effort wise. So there are definitely some drawbacks here, but you know, the more you kind of sit on Russ and you think about how he's a Laker now, the more you kind of get excited because you just don't have 
much of a good idea. Like, yeah, we can talk about the offense. Like, yes, pressure on the rim, lobs to AD, uh, kickout passes or lasers to the corner. Uh, once you start to really think about that and have that settle in, you realize you're a lot more excited than mm -hmm. you think. And that's why I asked you, because I, I think the answer to that question is absolutely it's Russell Westbrook that's driving all this excitement just because he's such an X factor for this Lakers team. Yes, the floor is higher with Russ, but then the ceiling is kind of the question mark here. We don't know if the Lakers necessarily get that much better in the playoffs just because of his, you know, perceived um, his perceived mm -hmm. flaws. But if it works out, the Lakers have got a legitimate big three. I think they already do. But as far as how effective they are, how good they can be, how far they can take this team, we can't say for certain. And I think that's kind of the intrigue here with the Lakers is that I think it's like this talent experiment that we're really just not sure how it's going to play out. So that's why I'm personally excited for the regular season, because I think you'll see the glimpses, the flashes, mm -hmm. um, you know, the the hard evidence that what we're kind of projecting as our, our hypothesis for the offense and defense right now. So I'm super excited. I have legitimately no idea how it's going to play out. If you told me it works miraculously <laughs> and the Lakers win their 18th title, I would not be surprised. But if you told me what other people are thinking as far as outside of the Lakers fandom goes, that it's going to crash and burn and it's going to implode, I also kind of wouldn't be that surprised. So that to me is just, you know, the gamble the Lakers made. And I I have no idea how it's going to play out, but I'm excited to see how it does. Well, let me tell you, I think what's going to be the X factor, it's Frank Vogel and just how good of a defensive coach is he. I think we're about to find out right? If the Lakers can play a <laughs> sure. high-pressure brand of defense, and again, you've got an older team, right? A lot of people, I've seen all the comments out there, people from other teams saying this is an AARP team, that they are, they're going to get injured from day one, that... The, it's a geriatric the, Yes, exactly, right? Like, this is, this is what we're seeing, right? This is the Uncle Drew team, basically. <laughs> Hashtag really wash team. And so a lot of people are saying that. But can Frank Vogel get a high-pressure defense out of this group? A group that can force turnovers using maybe not just blinding speed and just ridiculous athleticism, because that's certainly waned for some of these guys, but just smarts. If they can force turnovers or if they can force difficult shots on the defensive end of the floor, they're going to have opportunities in transition, and I trust that the veterans on this team will be smart enough to know how to exploit those things. And so I think... This is going to be as much as, like, the offense has got me really excited about what it can look like. Defensively, we're about to find out so, so much about Frank Vogel. And so far, everything that we've seen has said he is just that good of a, of a defensive coach, right? You look at what the Lakers did when AD and LeBron were out and the Lakers were still one of the top defensive teams in the NBA. I think he is just that good of a defensive coach. But if the Lakers can fall somewhere in that 5-10 to 10 range, on the defensive end of the floor, and we can see them somewhere in the top 15, okay, maybe even top 12, in terms of turnovers forced, those two things will be very, very good indicators for what how good this Lakers team can really be. I rarely make bold pro proclamations on the live streams or in the mm -hmm. videos just because I'm a pretty even keeled guy. I like to be, you know, as realistic as possible, even though I am the optimist here. But I will say that, Given, you know, what the roster looks like, I think if the Lakers are anywhere close to a top 10 defense or just flat out R1, I think Anthony Davis has to be considered the front runner for defensive player of the year. Because let's face it, if the Lakers are a good defensive team next year, even though they've downgraded in a few spots that are important, especially along the perimeter, I think you have to attribute that almost all, all to AD because he'll be cleaning up a lot more messes. He'll be erasing more mistakes. Mm -hmm. He's going to have to be basically 2020 playoffs ad but during the regular season and i think if you told me you know if the season started today and you told me 2020 anthony davis in the playoffs is the type of defensive player you're gonna get throughout this entire year i think he's a oh, shoe-in for that yes, award yeah yeah 100 that's the defensive player of the year I, and i think he had a much stronger argument for defensive player of the year than anybody gave him credit for two seasons ago which we talked about this last time 100%. how crazy is it like we are 10 months removed from the lakers winning the championship it hasn't even been a calendar year, right? Like that's, that is insane for how quickly things have flown by. Um, okay. Let's get into some of the questions and comments from fans here. I've got some people asking about Jeremy Lamb. We will get into that. Declan Pollard from YouTube, the super chat. Thank you very much. Said I was watching film from 2020. I think Russ works best in the role he had in Houston. 
January to March, but on less volume, attacking from the wing as the second ball handler. I do think Russ is going to have plenty of opportunities as the lead ball handler whenever LeBron is out, but I think him acting as the second guy, as more of a slasher, as that off-ball guy, really fine-tuning that and getting him 100% to buy into that role when that's what's required of him, that's going to be critical because you know he's not going to space the floor. Teams aren't going to care if he's camped out behind the three-point line and LeBron's got the ball. The question is more, what is he going to do as a slasher to keep defenses honest? And if he can do that well, that's going to open up a lot, a lot here for the Lakers. You know, I've been toying around with this idea a lot, and I don't know if we'll ever see this lineup, but if they pulled it out in the preseason, I would be giddy. Um, I've been thinking a lot about what if the Lakers just decided to mess around and play ultra-small Lakers basketball with LeBron, Russ, and three shooters. Mm -hmm. Um, we've seen LeBron handle some center minutes. Uh, I think we saw it as soon as the playoffs last season, really, uh, where they didn't have an answer for center because they were trying to match up with Phoenix going small. So they moved LeBron there. Um, I could see a world where, you know, the Lakers go incredibly small, LeBron at the five, and then Russ kind of acts as the de facto five on offense, meaning that, you know, they're running pick and rolls, Russ and LeBron are, they can flip Mm. that. Um, and then you've got so much space around the perimeter. If you've given them three legitimate shooters defensively, it's probably a train wreck. And I don't think that's why we'll ever see it. That's just not Frank Vogel's thing. But from a purely offensive standpoint, I think it's pretty intriguing. Look, if you really look around the league and figure out like what big man can LeBron not really guard. I don't think you'd put him against like, you know, Jokic and Bede, you know, the big guy, like the big, big centers in the league. But if you're talking just like a regular season game, this other team's not that great. Uh, you want to tinker with some lineups. I think that'd be a really interesting look from a fan's perspective, just because the offensive uh, firepower, the transition opportunities, we talk about that a lot, but imagine if you just had five perimeter guys a la Houston. I don't know. Something well, and it's it's the Houston micro ball strategy, but the difference is LeBron is 6'9 and just massive, right? Like that's that's right. the difference there, right? So you, you still have a guy who, look, LeBron's not going to be typically a center, but it's not like he's 6'5". Right. Like this is a guy who is huge and can be a major factor on the board. So maybe it is something that you can get away with. I, of course, I still think the death lineup is going to be Anthony Davis at the center, which is going to have some shades of of this. Right. Where you've got shooters around these guys. Just one of them is Anthony Davis. And by the way, that's another thing to keep an eye on this season is Anthony Davis's three point shooting. Can he get that back on track? If he can get right, right, you know, 33, 35 percent would be my my. You know, yeah, my dream scenario is he shoots 35% from three. You get that. You're in great shape. Uh, Davis Painter from YouTube, the Super Chat, thank you, said, what about, oh boy, here we go, hypotheticals. What about a Loki multiverse where Boogie doesn't tear his Achilles in the summer of 2019? Or no, it's got to be ACL, I guess, uh, the summer of 2019. What are your all's personal memory of Kobe's 81? So let's... What if we lived in a world where Boogie does not tear his ACL uh, playing in that pickup game? That would mean no Dwight Howard. Do the Lakers still do the Lakers correct. still win the championship that year in the 2019-2020 season? Good question. So I have still Boogie on torn ACL, but I don't have torn... Sorry, I don't have him on torn Achilles, right? But I have him torn ACL. Is that correct? Uh, flip that. It was the Achilles first. He came back from the Achilles and then he tore the ACL. In the, God, in the I feel game. So, so you would have torn, you, it would be you, torn Achilles boogie, but not torn ACL boogie. And I would imagine, because this is how we were all approaching things, that would mean starting for the Lakers boogie with JaVale coming off the bench. That was, that was how, that was at the time, that was the approach that we had was boogie was going to be the Lakers starting center. I feel like it would look kind of similar to how the Lakers look with Marcus all yeah. this past center, uh, this past season at center. Um, I don't know. That's an interesting hypothetical. I've never really thought about that. I mean, I think we're all pretty excited for Boogie just because he had looked, he had slimmed down quite a bit. I don't know if you remember yeah. the the skinny cousins uh, pictures. Uh, people were excited. He was in shape. Uh, seemed like he was happy and ready to go and play whatever role. So, um, I think the Lakers still win the title just because I think Dwight was only really useful for that third series against the Nuggets personally, uh, being able to mix it up with Jokic. But I think the Lakers. You know, worst comes to worst, they would have just thrown Anthony Davis on him and we would have called it a day. Um, And then obviously in the finals, uh, Dwight didn't have as much of a role against the Heat. So I think the Lakers still would have probably won that title. But uh, Boogie would have definitely given that team more offensive versatility because, you know, he's he can he has a decent outside shot, especially for Mm -hmm. a center. Uh, Also has some underrated playmaking chops, uh, can pass the ball pretty well. 
Uh, obviously not the the lob finisher or the the rim runner that Dwight is even at this stage in his career. So you know that element would have been missing. But I, I think the Lakers would have had enough talent at that point to get by. I so. think they still would have won it, but I think they would have missed Dwight. I think they would have missed that physicality that. And sometimes Dwight committed dumb fouls, you know, fouls that he just absolutely shouldn't have. But other times you kind of needed sure. that little bit of nasty that Dwight Howard brings to the game, where you know he's going to set bone cr- crushing screens that are always right on that line of being a foul and not, you know, where opponents are feeling it. Sometimes you kind of need that. And uh, and so I think they would have missed that with Boogie in there, but Boogie is certainly an interesting talent as well. Uh, Kobe's 81. I missed it live. I missed it. It happened on my, it happened oh, on my dad's birthday and we all went out to dinner and I got home, turned on the TV and saw the end of it, had to call him and tell him, dad, did you just see what happened? He goes, no, what? I said, Kobe scored 81. He went, Kobe scored what? And he and he ran and turned on the TV, and we were able to watch the, the replay from there. But, uh, yeah, so I missed I missed Kobe's 81 live, and I'll, I'll have to uh, always remember that. Um, I think for me, and not to make you sound old, Trevor, but I was still in middle school. I was 12 <laughs> years old when that game happened. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I was 12 years old. I remember I just got, I got home from school a couple hours ago. I was like doing my thing. And then, you know, I used to watch Lakers game religiously with my dad as well. Uh, so we were just in the living room watching. And I don't think a lot of people remember this, especially younger fans, younger than me, even, but the Lakers were actually losing that game against Toronto. Yep. Uh, they were down in the first half. I think Kobe at that point had, I believe it was 27 points in the first half. And I was like, okay, he's probably going to go for 50 um and then you know the third quarter starts and kobe can't miss he's unconscious you know i remember all that pretty vividly um uh, and then you know just in case anyone has been wondering if there's a game that i could i wish twitter existed for i think it would be kobe's oh, 81 yeah uh i think people would be freaking out <laughs> um and yeah i remember by the end of the game kobe had 81 i remember the free throws uh he had hit two he was at 79 i was like i hope he just makes at least one so it's a nice 80 uh but he ends up hitting both and it's 81 points and you know it goes down in nba history as the second highest scoring game ever behind wilt so i'll always remember that it's just those kinds of moments that and you know what the 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 thing that's even crazier to think about is that this was in the era where three-point shooting wasn't quite a thing uh, very much a mid-range game, much slower pace. Um, Kobe was doing this routinely against double and triple teams because the Raptors were like, he's obviously not passing the ball, so let's just go ahead and like throw as many bodies as possible. And he's still able to do that. Uh, by far one of the best uh, games that I've ever seen, um, and for sure what I'll remember. Absolutely. Absolutely. One to never forget, that's for sure. Uh, Sean Percival from YouTube said, what about getting Marquise Chris? replace mark not a name that i've heard a lot recently marquis chris so uh, if marcus all decides i'm gonna leave or the lakers decide we're gonna trade him we're gonna wave whatever they're gonna do if marcus all is not on the roster i didn't have marquis chris on my list of guys to talk i did have boogie on my list of guys that they should call up (laughs) um but marquis chris i like this team is built around guys knowing exactly what their role is and knowing how to be in the right place at the right time. And that was never really Marquise Chris's forte, right? Had had some intriguing physical talent, but had some challenges in terms of kind of maximizing that. So I don't know if that was a a name that I would revisit, but again, we haven't seen him in a bit. Like if he comes in and he had a workout and he wowed everybody, sure. I mean, the, the talent level was certainly intriguing. So it's worth a look, but it's not like I could say, oh, yeah, hey, that's the guy. You just go sign him and everything's good. Yeah, you know, I also haven't had Marquise Chris's uh, name on my radar, but I think, you know, for anyone that follows Isaiah Thomas on Twitter, like I do, uh, he did work out with Chris mm-hmm. recently. So I think that was even today. So I, I think it's a little it's a little interesting that this name came up um, as I saw that tweet today. But, you know, I kind of throw Marquise Chris in that Harry Giles mold, too, of that young player that's been injured, hasn't had a chance to really break out yet. Uh, he's a name that Harry Giles is a name that I've seen a couple yeah. Lakers fans throw out there. It's just like, a, hey, this is a young guy. Uh, let's just have a, let's let's get him on a flyer and see if he can do absolutely anything. Um yeah, but I think, you know, if, if the Lakers went in that direction and signed one of those young guys, you know, Marquise Chris, Harry Giles, you know, another name I might be missing. Um, I think that's going to tell you that Anthony Davis is going to be playing a lot more five than we anticipated originally. Uh, just because I can't imagine a world where they get significant minutes on this Lakers team. The young guys, yeah. I mean. Yep. 
Agreed, but I do like the idea of, uh, of going after Giles. I think he's an interesting guy if you're looking for just a little bit of upside there as well. Uh, I've got Colin coming in from Twitter, said, fun question, will Melo hit at least one game winner in the regular season? Matt, we've kind of talked about this, that Carmelo <laughs> Anthony is pretty good in the clutch, and he's a guy that you can turn to. Like, you could run a misdirection play for LeBron or for Russ or for AD and get him a really good look and feel comfortable that he's going to knock it down in that moment. Uh, the over-under is 0.5 game winners, right? Oh, Trevor, oh, what are you taking the over the under? I'll take the over, but I wouldn't... Like, if you told me it was at 1.5, I'd be smashing that under for sure. I think I would too. I think point. I think one game winner is definitely within the realm of possibilities. The only reason why I'm pushing back on this just a little bit um, is I'd have to imagine that Melo's only in the closing lineup because he's been shooting the, the ball lights out that night. Um, can't miss, unconscious, you know, throwback Melo. Um, and I, I think that's kind of it because I, I can't really imagine Melo in the closing lineups uh, too often. I think he will be. I think there are going to be some nights where, you know, they give Melo the closing lineup uh, honors and he's out there with mm. LeBron, AD, and Russ. But I think for the most part, you'll see lineups like, you know, LeBron, Russ, AD, Kent Bazemore, Trevor Ariza, maybe. Um, so that's kind of why I'm like a little iffy on this one. But it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, he's he's been in those moments before. He's not afraid to take shots. Lord knows that Carmelo Anthony, of all people, will happily shoot the ball if you tell him to. So I, I think that, you know, it's definitely within the realm of possibilities. Definitely more than any other role player on the Lakers. That's for sure. I think Melo shoot the ball even if you don't tell him to. I think he'd be he'd be more than happy. It's not a shot he doesn't yes. like. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, all right, let's talk about this Jeremy Lamb thing. I've got some people in the chat that are mentioning it. So this came out this morning. Uh, Jay Michael of the Indi- Indianapolis Star reported that there were a handful of teams, including the Charlotte Hornets and the Los Angeles Lakers, that are interested in trading for Jeremy Lamb, and we all went, "What? How?" How is this possible? Jeremy Lamb scheduled to make $10.5 million this season. It is an expiring contract, and that is why we said that doesn't make any sense. The Lakers don't have any contracts they can actually trade right now because just about the entire team is new, which means the earliest they can trade, guys, is December 15th. For some guys, I believe THT might fall in this category. I'd have to check, but uh, it'll be into January. So with that being said, it, it wasn't immediately clear how the Lakers could work this out. I know Eric Pincus threw out there, well, you can try to work out a sign and trade where you're like stacking up Wesley Matthews and, uh, and Jared Dudley and then throw in Marcus Gasol and then you add in like a second round pick or something as incentive and maybe you can make it work. It sounds like a lot in order to get a deal done for Jeremy Lamb. And when you look at the Lakers roster, I don't know if I see the need when you've already got Wayne Ellington, you've got Malik Monk, you've got Kent Bazemore, you've got guys that you brought in to play the two. I don't, I just don't see Jeremy Lamb as a a super high priority. Yeah, I don't either. Um, The Lakers are anytime a a guy that's available on the market, either via trade or uh, is just a free agent, they're going to get linked to the Lakers no matter Mm -hmm. what it feels like. And that's just kind of how these things go every time this kind of rumor comes out. So Jeremy Lamb's just another name in the hundreds up to this point we've seen. Um, You know, as far as basketball fit goes, I get it. Um, I believe he's coming off an injury. So uh, that's already concerning, one. And then two, yes, he's a 6'5 wing that can do a few different things on the floor that would be useful on the Lakers. But given the contract, what the Lakers would need to give up to get him, like, yes, a deal is technically possible. If the Lakers deemed it that we need to get Jeremy Lamb, we absolutely need to trade for him, that deal that you propose where you aggregate all those salaries in the sign-and-trade situation for Lamb, they could technically do it. Uh, but, you know, that's just, you know, is it actually possible? The answer is yes. Is it practical? Absolutely not. Um, that's not even considering the luxury tax ramifications here. Yeah. I believe Pink is also like threw up that it would go from 39 million. Yeah, yeah to, it'd be 39 million to 69 oh. million. Nice. Um, so yeah, are you really going to pay an extra 30 million dollars for Jeremy Lamb? Probably not. Um, we've already seen some evidence of the Lakers penny pinching mm-hmm. a little bit here. So I can't imagine how livid fans would be if we had to pay that much in luxury tax for Jeremy Lamb, but not keep someone like Alex Caruso. And yes, I know I need to stop bringing his name up because people are going to be upset. But I'm just saying that if the Lakers can't fork over some money to pay Alex Caruso, I don't think they're definitely going to do it for Jeremy. No, Lamb. you're, so that's you're absolutely right. There's no reason why you would say, oh, sorry, Alex Caruso. We're not even going to counter your offer because, oh, we really want to go get Jeremy Lamb and fork over money for that. It doesn't make any sense. 
I don't see it happening, but I will say this. And I mentioned this in the video that I, I put out on YouTube earlier today. Um, if you were looking at this, just don't expect it to happen. Don't expect Lamb to be a Laker. Never say never. Sometimes crazy things happen in the NBA. Kwame Brown got traded for Pau Gasol, right? Crazy stuff happens sometimes in this league. But don't go into this assuming it's going to happen. But don't just dismiss this either. What you do with this information is you file it away. Just put it somewhere in the back of your brain. And next summer, just kind of remember it. Oh, yeah. Because Jeremy Lamb, like I said, expiring contract. He'll be a free agent next year. The Lakers, at least being rumored to have some interest now, might turn into something a year from now. Okay, so again, very unlikely that they land Jeremy Lamb right now, but just something to file away in case he has a nice season. If he can stay injury-free, just keep it in mind for next summer. Yeah, and let's just say Indiana, for whatever reason, can't offload an expiring contract at $10 million, which is not too bad at all. Uh, there's also the possibility of a buyout if the two sides can't agree to anything. Um, I, that same Indiana Star reports mentioned that because the the Pacers have Karis LeVert and they just drafted Chris Duarte, there's really no room for Jeremy Lamb, even if he's able to play. So again, if they can't find a, a landing spot for him in a trade, I think they could. Uh, Sam Presti's probably licking his chops right now. Um, if they can't find a deal for him, I wouldn't. Ex- I wouldn't be surprised about a buyout situation either. And the Lakers still have, guess what, three roster spots open. That's right. Uh, it sounds like they're waiting for a buyout guy to come free. Uh, if Jeremy Lamb's that guy, come February uh, or not February, maybe March. Uh, I could see it happening as well. So just another thing to keep in mind. I think one of those roster spots is open for the eventuality that. Rajon Rondo or perhaps Kevin Love get bought out. Maybe both. That's, that's what I what I see this going towards. Like, if not, if that was not the the goal here for the Lakers, and you were really choosing between Isaiah Thomas, Mike James, right? Like these types of guys, Darren Collison, you would have just signed one of those guys already, right? So they're waiting for things right. to develop to see what happens. Who gets cut? Who gets bought out? There's some teams that have too many players on their roster right now, including the Memphis Grizzlies. So I have a feeling the Lakers are, are paying very close attention to what happens there with Rajon Rondo. And uh, wouldn't mind seeing him back. You know, obviously he's got some shortcomings still on the floor, but uh, his ability to act as like a coach out there, I think that's something that can be really important for the team. And uh, and I like that. I also like that he's the kind of guy that can get guys open looks yeah, we can certainly complain about his own defensive effort. Maybe playoff Rondo appears again. The three-point shooting, that's a concern as well. But for an end-of-the-bench guy, Rondo's intelligence, I think, would be a uh, would be a nice fit. Yes to all those things. Also, former Laker, Rajon Rondo. That's true. That's true. He also checks that box. Pretty much, if you wanted to be a Laker this season, you had to have been a Laker the season before, right? It's like uh, it's like Pirates of the Caribbean, right? The uh, Whatever it is, the Isla de Muerta can only be found by people who already know where it is. That's what it takes in order to be a Laker. You have to have already been a Laker at some point. That's the conspiracy. That's the conspiracy theory with Alex Caruso too. They couldn't re-sign him until he became a former oh, Laker. That makes so sense. Just, just wait down the line. That makes you. sense. That, that's what's going to happen here. Uh, so somebody asked in the chat here, Trevor, are you a Dallas Cowboys fan? Because they saw my water cup is a Cowboys water cup, and so I guess I have to address this now. So uh, my wife is a cow. My wife is a <laughs> Cowboys fan, right? Although, frankly, I follow football closer than, than she does, but she would be considered a, a Cowboys fan. Um, I am not really a fan of any particular football team. I, I'll watch all of them. The Rams left when I was a kid, so I didn't really have a team to oh, latch nice. on to. Um, and so because of that, I'm kind of a free agent. And don't get me wrong, like there's teams that have drawn my attention, but I've kind of tried to keep it this way. It's kind of fun. Like, I'm so, for basketball, I'm so locked in on the Lakers. And then, you know, the, with baseball, you've got the Dodgers, right? Like, you live and die with these teams. For football, I try to keep it where I can just watch the entire league and not lose my mind on who's winning, who's losing. Mainly just focus on, are my fantasy guys playing well or not? Or not? And, then, and then go from there. So, yes, that's why I have a Dallas Cowboys Cup. Although I wouldn't necessarily consider myself like a Cowboys fan, per se. 
Yeah, I'm actually a contributor on one of our sister sites, RamsNewsWire.com. Uh, I'm a you know a Rams fan by nature. My dad actually was here when the Rams were in Los Angeles, and surprisingly, was not a Raiders fan. Uh, while he was here, he was actually a Rams guy, kind of like how he's an Angels guy, even though he was here when the Dodgers oh, okay. were still good in the '80s. So. Yeah, it's a little odd. My dad just, I think, wanted to buck the trend and not cheer for like the super popular teams. But he grew up watching the uh, the Lakers in the Philippines. So when he moved here to Long Beach uh, in Southern California, he grew up. He was a Lakers guy, so he followed them. So my fandom kind of follows my dad. So I, I was just naturally a Rams guy, uh, but I'm a Dodgers guy. So that's kind of where we butt heads a little bit. But uh, yeah, I'm a Rams guy. Um, Darren, Helen, uh, dude, Darren Henderson or Darren Henderson, man, the like thumb. the injuries are just crazy. Yep. The thumb, yeah. man. Yeah, the thumb. Uh, hopefully he'll be okay. But speaking of which, Matt, you and I, as well as Ron Gutterman, have put together a LakersNation.com fantasy football league. Great segment. And I know. Did you like that? I'm a professional. Um, we have one more day. One more day to submit your application to join our league. We're going to pick nine people, and we've got a ton of applications already, but we're going to pick nine to join myself, Matt the Optimist Peralta, and Ron Gutterman in the LakersNation.com Fantasy Football League. This season's going to be a ton of fun. Uh, rather than do a league fee, we're doing donations to the Mamba and Mamba Sita Foundation. So we're doing a little bit of charitable giving as part of this. Um, so we're going to play a little fantasy football, have some fun. There will be a prize for the winner. We're working on setting something up with that. It'll be something good. Okay, it's not going to be like like oh my gosh, I'm I'm rich now because of this prize or anything, but it'll be something Lakers related that I think people will like. Uh, and you've got one more day if you want to apply. The use the email address LakersNationFF at gmail.com. Shoot us an email. We're going to go through all the people who emailed us, and then we will pick a winner from that. And in fact, I've got a little ad here for you guys to check out for this league. So let's check that out real quick, and then uh, and then we'll move on. Lakers Nation, do you want to play fantasy football with us? We are setting up a special league this season for Lakers Nation fans where you're going to compete against the three of us, myself, Matt the Optimist Peralta, and Ron Gutterman, and we're doing it for a good cause. going to be a lot of fun. 12-team league, that means we're looking for nine. We're looking for nine Lakers fans to join us in a fantasy football league this year. Matt, how do they enter? Yeah, so... Please send any submissions to LakersNationFF at gmail.com. Once again, that's LakersNationFF at gmail.com right there on your screen. And in your submission, be sure to let us know why you want to be in this league. And as far as your submission goes, be as creative as possible. Send us videos, send us pics, send us songs, send us anything you think that'll grab our attention and make us pick you to be in our league. And just for a reference, the due date for this is going to be August 24th, Mamba Day at 11.59 Pacific Standard Time, after which we will be going through each and every submission to pick the lucky nine to be in our league. And also be sure to keep open the date if you are picked for September 3rd, Friday at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And Ron, let them know what we're playing for. Yeah, so if you are accepted to our league, you will pay a $50 donation and we'll figure out exactly how that works. But you'll pay a $50 donation that will go directly to the Mamba and Mambasita Sports Foundation. Now, we want to stress that this is after you've been accepted. A $50 donation beforehand does not guarantee your acceptance into the league. You will submit your application to our email, LakersNationFF at gmail.com. We will accept you, one of the nine, and then you will be required to donate the $50 through whatever platform we have before the September 3rd draft day. So again, $50 uh, that's after you were accepted. And then, yes, yeah, September 3rd, 6 p.m., we'll have a great time on that draft. So that means we're going to be helping a great cause. Obviously, the Mamba and Mambasita Sports Foundation, that in and of itself is great. And then we get to have a lot of fun playing a little bit of fantasy football. And, of course, there will be a prize for the winner in addition to just, you know, having the honor of beating one of us or realistically one of the three of us beating you make sure you guys do go ahead and put in your submission right now and we look forward to seeing you in our league all right so that is the LakersNation.com fantasy football league again you've got just over 24 hours at this point to still apply if you are interested in trying to compete against us in fantasy football matt i i can't wait fantasy football has helped me get through these lakerless days and uh i can't wait to do our draft it's gonna be a lot of fun I think so, too. There's a lot of submissions in there about people saying that they can beat yeah. us. I'm a little skeptical, 
But you know what? I love it. I love the competition. I can already tell this league's going to be a bunch of fun. Uh, a lot of trash talk, which I enjoy. Um, so, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Draft time or draft season for fantasy football is one of my favorite times of the year. It's And it's perfect that it's right in August and September when there's no basketball, really. So tighten me over until we get to training camp, for yeah, sure. 100%. Uh, Omar, the LA fan, said, I just want to fast forward to October 19th. Omar, I had to address this because I have been going around saying this for, like, what, ever since the schedule came out a few days ago. Hit the fast, but get us to basketball season. I don't want to skip football either. I want to have some way to enjoy both, but let's start the season. Matt, I'm so excited for the season to start up. October 19th, Lakers versus Warriors. I'll even though back it up. Like, I'm ready for training camp and preseason just to get a look at what this team looks like because it's going to be so different. But I'll tell you the one thing that I'm hoping will be the same. I think a lot of what the Lakers do on the floor is going to look very different this next season. Not just different personnel, different schemes, all that sort of stuff. The one thing I want to be the same, or at least not the same as last season, but the season before, it's the chemistry, the camaraderie. During the 1920 mm-hmm. season, we had this sense that this team, it wasn't just, hey, let's try to win basketball games together. Like These guys legit cared about each other. And you look at what they went through. We talked about, you know, kick the show off. We talked about shared experience and how that can have a unifying effect. The 2019-2020 championship team started off their season going through that whole ordeal in China, which, I mean, that was pretty sketchy, and then dealing with the loss of Kobe. They had to lean on each other, and it just created a different vibe. And I don't know that you're going to completely recreate that, but I would like to see more of that type of chemistry than what we saw last season. Yeah, that's something I talked about, too. I think that's why I really enjoyed Dwight's uh, reintroduction back to the Lakers, for example, is because he came in as one of those guys, super high energy, talked a lot about just wanting to play my role, coming here to win a championship, doing whatever the team needs me to do. That was kind of the common sentiment around basically all the free agents, really, when they had those introductory press conferences, was that I'm just here to do my to play my role, do whatever's asked of me, go out there, win games, and bring home a championship. So, you know, I think there's more of a... They seem to be more in lockstep toward the goal this year. Um, obviously, the Lakers organization has been so, so, so laser-focused on getting that 18th title. Um, and I think that they have the players that want to do that solely for that reason and we can again we don't want to, we don't need to rehash this fact um too much but you know last season there were a couple individual guys that you know kind of seemed like they were playing for their next contract wanted a bigger role wanted to prove themselves a little bit and that kind of bucked what the lakers that what made the lakers so special that previous season that title year was you know that bond that chemistry both on and off the floor obviously the covid19 pandemic had something to do with that the guys just couldn't go out they were confined to their hotel rooms i think that's a pretty underrated uh factor here was that they just couldn't hang out and so I think it was just harder to get to know guys. Guys didn't even meet each other until, you know, practice and training camp started. So I think that there's going to be more of a natural aggression to the mean here in terms of the chemistry building. And then, you know, as far as shared experiences go, I brought this point up a few a few uh, live shows ago. But a lot of these guys that they signed to the Lakers have a bond already through Kobe and the franchise itself. So I think that's something that ha- they have going for them. And then obviously the old factor, everyone seems to happily admit that they are going to probably get through the Western Conference, but they also want to play up the age narrative. And so I think we've already seen some guys already embrace it. LeBron's had his, you know, his opinions on it. Russell Westbrook, the role players on the team, they've all addressed it and they've all acknowledged that it's a thing, but I think it's what's fueling them. So having, you know, that underdog mentality as a group, that bunker mentality, as uh, our old friend Byron Scott would say, um, I think having that on this year's Lakers team is going to be good for them ultimately. And so I think we do see a return to, you know, the more fun Lakers because we'll have we'll have fans in Staples Center again. That's another thing we should probably mention is that, you know, Staples Center will have fans in it uh we had a very limited crowd last season toward the end of the regular season but you know as far as things go right now um it looks like we'll have packed houses every single night and i think that's gonna also you know just play up the team more energize them and we'll see a more we'll see a a more um similar team to that 2019-2020 squad and when you've got guys like westbrook like dwight howard those those are guys that really fire up a crowd and so I'm, I'm excited for that. I think that is going to be a factor, like you've said. I think that's going to be really cool to see fans back there at Staples Center. Hopefully, you know, I mean, obviously things are seem to be changing every single day right now with all that's going on. But, you know, hopefully we will get fans back there and everything's going to be looking good. And, uh, yeah, that would be a ton of fun to see 
Lakers fans in Staples Center cheering on this team and seeing these guys really lean on each other and commit to doing what it takes in order to achieve their ultimate goal, which is to win an NBA championship. You did mention that they've already got that shared experience. Some of them have that bond through Kobe. I thought um, Sam Quinn from CBS had a really interesting thing that I hadn't thought of. Uh, I put it out there on Twitter. said, fun fact, Trevor Ariza is the last active player in the NBA to have won a championship with Kobe. And now Ariza is a Laker, which is fitting. That's really cool. I also had not really thought about that because, yeah, you know, now that I think about it, right, um, Powell's not in the league anymore. Lamar is not in the league. Um, all the role player guys that we loved on that team. Uh, yeah, that's actually a really good point. I hadn't thought about that. But see, there you go. There's a there's a link to Kobe right then and there. Trevor Reza and Kobe were obviously really good friends when they were on the Lakers together and that continued on after. And having him back home in L.A., which is also another theme of the offseason was homecoming um just kind of puts a nice bow on things um especially you know as we're remembering kobe today on his birthday like so you know that that's something nice to think about you know when the regular season starts absolutely. up absolutely absolutely um somebody uh arnell from uh facebook said ariza with the steel oh remember that was a great moment that was like he i remember oh, he had a couple yeah. of those oh, trevor Ariza. that denver series he was yeah. clutch guarding none other than carmelo Who's anthony now also a los angeles laker it's a crazy web Look we weave that. here, isn't it? Crazy web that we, that yep. we weave. Uh, oh, and somebody said Ariza played with, Arnell also said Ariza played with Russell Westbrook at UCLA too. That's true. I had forgotten about that. And you know what? I had put out there on my uh, my Instagram, I put out a picture of Russell Westbrook and Kevin Love both playing for UCLA and how maybe that connection might matter if Kevin Love is indeed bought out by the Cleveland Cavaliers. I feel like if Kevin Love is bought out by the Cavs, He's going to become a Laker. Like it just. That's not even. Yeah, I think it's just <laughs> yeah. that's what's going to happen. Yep. SoCal kid, uh, LeBron, former teammate, champion, checks basically every box here. I mean, four or five guy that can still shoot the ball. Obviously, doesn't offer much defensively, but uh, yeah, I, I'm I have already accepted that fact here. Um, I think you know, given that the the Cavs just drafted Evan Mobley, they have Jared Allen, they've got a lot of young guys that they need to give minutes to. Kevin's love, Kevin loves a future in Cleveland is pretty bleak at this yeah. point, and I think a buyout just makes sense for both sides. And if he does indeed get bought out, which I am fully expecting, uh, the Lakers are going to be at the top of that list. I agree. I agree. Um, Let's see here. Let's finish up with with one more. Okay, so I've got this, and I think we've talked about this a little bit, but this Lakers roster, the new guys coming in, of the non-stars, not Westbrook, not LeBron, not AD, which player are you most excited to see? I've had a, a few people in our chat tonight have posed this question, sometimes in different ways, but which Laker are you most excited to see next season that's not one of the three stars. Uh, let's see. I think it's going to be good to see Trevor Ariza back in purple mm-hmm. and gold. Um, I think there's going to be a wave of nostalgia. Uh, not to make you feel old again, but uh, <laughs> I was 15 when Trevor Ariza won a title uh-huh. with the Lakers. So I was in high school. Uh, basically, like, peak, peak, peak fandom. Like, I can't love the Lakers almost any more than that. I think that's when I hit my, you know, my absolute peak of fandom when they, when they won that wait, title. Wait, wait. So, Especially so you it was coming love off the, the Lakers less right now than you did back then? No, I think that was my peak, and I think I'm still oh, okay. My peak. So you, so what I'm trying to hit say that, is that and you've maintained. Yeah. All right, that makes sense. Yeah, I, I've definitely stayed course even through those 2014, 2018 the seasons when things were just for rough. Praying for ping pong balls. So, yeah. yep, praying for ping pong balls. So yeah, I think 2009 was when I hit my absolute peak as a fan, just because again they were coming off that 2008 mm-hmm. loss. Um, that's why I hate Paul Pierce and the Celtics to this day, and I will always hate them to this day. That wheelchair. Um, side 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 note. Uh, you know you're a Laker fan when it's not the Clippers that are your biggest rival or the team that annoys you most. It's definitely the Celtics for me still. <laughs> um, I will. I, I just can't. And I hate that they have such likable guys like, you know, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, etc. Like, it just makes it so hard to root for them uh, just because of where I I can't wait for Jason Tatum um, to become but... a Laker someday. <laughs> Jason Tatum 2026. Like, right. Are you heard it here first? Um so I think Trevor Ariza, just for the nostalgia factor, um, obviously doesn't have much left in the tank, I don't think. Uh, but I think he'll still have a role. So I think seeing him back in purple and gold, like I mentioned, will be really fun to see. Uh, but as far as, you know, guys on the Lakers, uh, I think I'm most excited to see Malik Monk. Okay. Uh, 
just because he had such a he had a pretty good year with Charlotte last year. I know that's relative to, you know, his first couple seasons where he was either dealing with injuries or he was just inconsistent, you know, kind of going through those uh, the young player adjustments to the NBA. Uh, but we have to remember that he was a top talent. He was a lottery pick when he got drafted by uh, out of Kentucky. Uh, there's still some untapped um, upside there. Um, I just wrote a, an article on LakersNation.com. Uh, I can do plugs to nice Trevor. Yeah, thank you. Um, I didn't realize this, but Austin Reeves and Malik Monk are the same age. They are both 23 really? years old. Huh. Okay. And then, you know, that interview was because uh, Austin Reeves and Malik Monk actually grew up or were actually played against each other in Arkansas. Uh, so they have a bit of a relationship already. But um, that just kind of goes to show you Monk was drafted in the De'Aaron Fox draft, if I remember correctly. So that was in 2017. Um, so he's been in the league for five years now and him and Reeves are the same age. So that just goes to show you that he's still young, has that potential. Uh, he's a high fly act. That guy can get up. He has, he's got massive bounce, uh, on the Lakers. He probably outside of Westbrook and LeBron, he might be the most athletic guy mm -hmm. on the team. So, uh, Russell Westbrook down the lane. If you've got Malik Monk fill in the lane and you can throw him a lob, I think that'll be fun. He's an excellent shot maker. He can make tough shots. Um, you know, good outside shooter. So I think I'm excited to see what Malik Monk can do. I don't know necessarily how the minutes distribution is going to play out quite yet because he's not a great defender. Uh, but just as far as, you know, offensive upside and just the, the, that electric factor from a young guy, I think Malik Monk's definitely a guy I'm going to have my eye on. Yeah, that's a great pick. And he's, I'm excited about him, but there's a little bit of the shiny new toy effect here there too, there too where I can't wait to see what he brings, but I'm also trying to make sure I don't get too excited like I, my expectations aren't too high because i know i'm already thinking like he's athletic he's young he's got plenty of upside can shoot the ball and so i'm expecting to see a lot of really great things out of him but i feel like the guy that maybe we're not talking enough about tht and no he's not the he's not sure. the shiny new toy but i almost feel like he's going to be a totally different player well okay not totally but there's so much room for growth in his game I can't wait to see what he's added, right? Like next season, when we look at some of the guys on the Lakers, like Marcus Gasol, if Marcus Gasol is still a Laker, we know what he's going to do. You know exactly what he's got. You know exactly what he doesn't have. There's not a lot is going to change there. Dwight Howard, you know what to expect. Not a lot is going to change. THT could look drastically different next season in terms of his shooting ability, which hopefully that's going to be key to his game. Defensively, how he handles the different matchups, how he handles uh, operating within the team's uh, defensive schemes. Physically, we've already seen from pictures of him, he looks different. He looks even skinnier, so he's in great shape. Um, I can't wait to see what THT brings to the table this season because I think, yeah, he's the same guy, but he's so young. Again, he's not even 21 yet. He's 20 years old. He could have added a lot to his game in the offseason. So I'm really excited to see THT. Yeah, um, it's crazy, right? Because THT is younger than Monk, than Austin Reeves, than Joel Ayayi. Like all these guys that we consider like really young guys. THT is 20. Uh, if I saw THT out, I can't even buy him a nope. beer because he can't yeah. drink it yet. Uh, at least not legally. Um, so... Yeah, that to me is insane. He's already on his second contract, still at 20 years old. Uh, by the end of this next deal, Trevor, he will be 23 years old. Uh, there's just no telling what he is right. at this point. Like, he's got massive upside. He's already a useful NBA guy that isn't fully developed yet. Like, if you told me this is what THC is for the rest of his career, he is still a very useful oh, player. Yeah. Uh, but see, that's why we're so high on him, right? Is because he is so, so young. And already this talent, he already has an elite skill set, which is driving to the rim, right? Um, if you already have that, you've already got a pretty good building block. Now it's just, you know, flushing out the rest of his game. He's looked good in these Chicago programs, those those clips that have been mm -hmm. floating around online. Uh, he looks skinnier. He looks way more fit. Um, the jump shot has looked nicer. We we made a big deal about him working out with, like, you know, Lethal Shooter and Phil Handy and stuff. So, you know, he's been in the gym working on his game. And I can't imagine that another summer of offseason development I, there's just no way he doesn't come back better and what better looks like remains to be seen like maybe he looks a better mm -hmm. jump shooter maybe he's a better defender uh but if he's you know better in any of those areas or he just doubles down on what he's already good at the lakers have got a really good young talent going forward and i'm super excited to watch him as well i just didn't bring him up because we we're talking about yeah. the new guys but if we're talking about you know guys currently on the roster i think thg is for sure going to be one of the main storylines this season because you know outside of russell westbrook he's also an x factor here um the rest of the laker guys on the roster are very much role players 
THT is the only one that kind of you, you kind of look a little harder at and say, you know, he has he's going to be a role guy this year, but he also has just the most upside, the most, you know, potential star power on the Lakers roster here. They have him for three more years here under contract. So the sky's the limit for THT. I have I still don't have any idea what he's going to be, but I just know he's going to be a good NBA player uh, well into my 40s, I think, at this point. So he is tremendous right when you look at what he can do in terms of driving to the basket getting there he's already got that in his bag but now if you can add the jump shot if you can add a little bit more experience on the defensive end of the floor he could really leap to the next level i'm not saying he's going to be a superstar right that's that's not what we're projecting here but he's got plenty of upside plenty of room for growth and i can't wait to see what he looks like i can't wait to see what all of that turns into this next season so that's why i'm, I'm really excited for him but like you said realistically like we're excited for all of these guys we're excited just for lakers basketball to get back out there on the floor particularly after a true off season uh, let's just let's just fast forward bring us to the beginning of, of october let's get into some preseason action and let's just get that going uh yeah i just want to end on this note and this one just crossed yeah. my mind uh tht if everything works out with the lakers he could be the first player that me and my future children end up watching together. Um, that to me is that was deep. Because uh, that, yeah, it's kind of <laughs> deep, right? Well, because here's the thing, right? Um, since you know it's Kobe's birthday, I figured I'd end on this note. Kobe was the first player that I grew up watching with my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, I got, I was born in '94. Kobe was drafted, obviously in '96. Didn't really get a shot until '98. So those early 2000s runs when Kobe was coming up in the league, still like that. That's those are my memories as a Lakers fan. Um, so to me, like if THC is a lifelong Laker, you know, fingers crossed, uh, and he's a Laker for, you know, the next 10, 15 years, this could be the guy that I'm like, Hey, you know, when I'm talking to like my future kids, I'm like, this is the guy I remember when he was a rookie and now he's still a Laker and now you guys got to watch him. So I don't know. It's like this full circle moment where, you know, Lakers fandom is generational. Um, and so I'm just super excited to see what he ended up becoming, but yeah, cra- crazy, crazy thought. That's true. And that, that's the way it could go down or it could go down like it went for me and my daughter, uh, her favorite player was Kyle Kuzma. Oh, no. Yeah, yep. Even one of her her first things that she would Poor love thing. to say when she was just you know really starting to like watch the games a few years ago, she would yell Kuzma whenever he would do something, and she just really loved mm. saying his name, which it's a fun name to say and everything. But uh, yeah, I haven't broken her to her yet that he's no longer a Laker, so. But hopefully that won't happen with oh. you and your kids in THT. <laughs> I don't want to put that in your head. <laughs> I hope not. I hope, I hope we have a player to bond over that doesn't get traded for a, uh, a very controversial point guard in terms of, you know, the NBA landscape. But yeah. <laughs> all right, guys. I think that's a good place to uh, wrap things up. Appreciate all of you who joined us here from YouTube, from Facebook, from Periscope. If you're listening to the podcast version of this, make sure you do follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcast as well. Don't forget, subscribe to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. New Lakers videos coming out there every single day. So make sure you guys check that out and turn on notifications. That way you get notified whenever we put out a new video. Till next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe.